or relying on something else. Not contingent. God, the almighty God, maker of heaven and earth, relies on nothing. As a matter of fact, he needs nothing and no one. Imagine that. Think about that. As important as you may think you are, or as important as I may think I am, God does not need me or you. God is sovereign in his majesty, he is independent, he is sufficient in himself. You and I are blessed, most privileged to serve this God. Let me give you a few citations. Will somebody turn to Psalm 50? And another person please turn to Acts 17. And Rick will give you the, the microphone when you have found that. Alright? One is um, one is Psalms 50, 10 through 12, and the other is Acts 17, 24 and 25. But listen to this in Romans. <clears throat> Here's what Paul says. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. And he continues. For who hath known the mind of the Lord? And listen to this. Oh, who hath been his counselor? Who has first given to him that it may be recompensed to him again? It says, for of him and through him and to him are all. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We serve a mighty God. Who's got Psalm 50? All right. 10 through 12. 10 through 12. Yes. For every animal of the forest is mine, mm. and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains, and the insects in the fields are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you. For the world is mine and all that is in it. Mm. <laughs> no, no, let, let her have it still. Um, Rick, let her have it still because then she will be telling me, repeating to me again what she said. What is that? For every bird. Go ahead. Every bird in the mountain. Every and the, bird in the mountain. And the insects in the fields. And the insects in the fields. Are mine. Are mine. So he knows that little... Something that you and I would just... Squish. Squish. The birds and the mountain and the insects in the field are mine. Keep going. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, mm -hmm. for the world is mine and all that is in it. But the world is mine and all that is in it. If I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you. The world is mine. 
can eat anytime he wants. He needs no one. The earth is the Lord's, we are told. Keep it still, you're not done. <laughs> the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof the world and those who dwell in it. Keep going. Do you want me to keep going? Verse 13? Yes. Okay. Do I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Sacrifice thanks offering to God. Fulfill your vows to the Most High and call on me in the day of troubles. I will deliver you and you will honor me. Amen. So that is why we are here, to honor him. He needs nothing, but it is right that we honor him because he is worthy. Thank you, dear one. Okay, I'm the other one. Psalm, I'm accenting 24-25. Who has that? Yes. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, mm. nor is he served by humans' hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. Mm. So he does not... He does not live in temples made by men's hands. And he's not served by us at all. But he's the one who gives everything. Of, it is of him we live and move, in him we live and move and have our being. This is the God that we serve. He needs no one. He needs nothing. As a matter of fact, he gives life to all. This is God independent. Alright? He's an independent God. Thank you, my brother, for this. Independence. Listen to this. The attribute of God is sometimes called self, his self-existence or his aseity, which means he has the ground of his existence in himself. Think of that. <laughs> the attribute of God is sometimes called his self-existence or his aseity, which means that he has the ground of his existence in himself. Or his own cause. Now, such expression, that's Burkhoff saying that, such expression is not completely accurate since God is the uncaused. In other words, he cannot cause himself. There was not a time when God was not and then God decided, let me cause myself. Now listen to this. It says, he exists by the necessity of his own being. And therefore, necessary. Look at this with me in John 5.26. Somebody find that? John 5.26. I should have told you to turn there first so you'd have it ready, but... Since I forgot, John 5, 26. When you find that, please read it. Get the mic and read it. 
5.26. I have it here. Okay. My, um, Ready? Got that, Rick? Yes. Okay. 25. 525? 5.26. 26. Here we go. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. That the Father has life in Himself. You, you, you and I are, are creatures of time. We, we are creatures of. We have a beginning. And I mean, to hear that God doesn't have a beginning, but you cannot think beyond that because you are a creature of beginning. There wasn't a time that He was not and then decided to be. That is not the case. God has always been. And as Berkhoff says, of necessity, so. God's being is something totally unique. It is not just that God does not need the creation for anything. God could not need the creation for anything. The difference between the creature and the creator is an immensely vast difference. For God exists in a fundamentally different order of being. It is not that we exist and God has always existed. It is also that God necessarily exists in an infinitely better, stronger, and more excellent way. That's from Grudem. Listen to this. I'm turning to the 1689 Baptist Confession. I'm going to read just a portion um, to and to A, listen to this. God has all life, glory, goodness, and blessedness in and of himself. He alone is all sufficient. Where? In himself. Listen to this. He does not need any creature he has made, nor does he derive any glory from them. Let that sin. So he does not derive any glory from the creature. So what? Listen to this. Instead, instead, what does God do? Listen to what God does. He demonstrates his own glory in them. By them. To them. I'm going to read that. 
has all life, all glory, all goodness, and all blessedness. And how does he have that? In and of himself. He alone is all sufficient in himself. He does not need any creature he has made, nor does he derive any glory from them. Instead, he demonstrates his own glory in them, by them, to them, and upon them. It's one thing to, for us to realize. Although God does not need us, that does not mean we are not important. Because God has made us for his glory. And we are here to glorify him. God, imagine, God wants us. Now it says that he derives no glory from any person. Instead, he demonstrates it in them. Turn, turn with me for, in the book of Ephesians chapter, chapter 1. We're going to see God. Yeah, how, how that is demonstrated in God's word. Ephesians 1. And when I say that God does not... When, when the confession says that God does not um, derive any glory from from anybody. In other words, he does not, the, the glory they give does not originate from them. And then they give it to God as if God would say, oh, thank you very much. No. It is God himself who works in them to, pr to bring about his glory. So when they are glorifying God, it is the right thing for them to do. But it is God doing that work in them for his own glory. Alright? So we need to understand that. Okay, Ephesians chapter 1. Let me get there myself. Listen to how that, that is said. I'm going to read a few verses there. And listen to it. Chapter 3, verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him, before him. In love... He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. Look at that. To the praise of his glorious grace. Look at it again. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love... He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ 
according to the purpose of his will. Why? To the praise of his glorious grace. Okay, and he continues. With which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins or trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in, in him, things in heaven, and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to, pay attention to that. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. He works all things according to the counsel of his own will, not our will. So that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the, look at it again. So that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. That's God's plan. That's God's purpose. That's amazing. Why have God made me? Why have God made us? Why are we then recreated in Christ Jesus? Guess what? To the praise of his glory. You know, you and I are busy here on earth. We are born in sin, born not knowing God, born separated from God. And we came into this world, and as far as we are concerned, it's about us. Oh, yes. Building my kingdom, it's about me, it's my, it's my body. Remember that one? It's ours. Not asking. Not letting that come into our mind. Why am I here? what purpose then am I here? Being thieves and robbers, you know what we do automatically? We steal that glory away from Christ and make it our own as if we made ourselves. Amen. And that we have our agenda to fulfill and not counting it worthy of any importance to think on the God who created us. Amazing. It, we thank God that in Christ, here in this church, and our pastors, we learn that it is not about us. 
You are not for you. you know. Christ did not leave his glorious heaven. The Father's right hand came down just because you were so important and you're so wonderful. So that is not true. Christ came down to fulfill the Father's plan. That which from before the foundation of the world, God, the triune God, planned. Jesus Christ executed. That's why he came. The scripture says, you are bought with a price. It says, you are not your own. You know how long I thought I was my own? Isn't that so with you? Nowadays, now look at that, nowadays, every morning before I leave and I go to work, I keep telling God I am not my own. It dawned on me. I belong to him. Why? That he may bring about his work in me, his will in me, whichever way it pleases him. Whether I like it or not. I am his slave, I am his property. I have, I have a question for you. You have a question? Okay, sir. Or uh, actually... Hold on, hold on. Let me see. All right, go for it. All right. Maybe, maybe it's a, um, just an opinion. Um, the Lord left me in the world for 50 years, 5-0. Then he called me. And it's like, if I compare what I did with my life when I was old, thinking I was something, it's... He, much rather be in his care mm. with his perfect will for my life and it gives it an eternal meaning rather than somebody who's perishing so I, I, I surrender to the Lord's will whatever that is Yes. my prayer is that he would just make it a little quicker but he even does that at the right time too <laughs> it's like just be quiet live every day for Amen. him and he'll let you know Thank God for that. Let, 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 let's say a word of prayer for you on that. Almighty God, you hear the cry of your son. Work your will in him, for you are well able in Christ's name. Amen. Any more questions? Yes, Pastor Bob. Give him the mic, please. Thank you. You know, you uh, talk about the independence of God. God is not dependent on anyone or anything. He's completely self-sufficient. Right. And um, on the other hand, we are utterly dependent on him. Yes. yes. I think it says in Job, I can't think of the exact verse, God would withdraw his spirit, all flesh would die. Indeed, yes. <laughs> so yes. we, every breath we take, every move we make is utterly dependent mm. on the Lord. Mm. So to act as if we are autonomous... Is, is the, the height of absurdity. Yes. To think that in this universe that is so magnificent and large that there's no God and that 
we're gods is utter absurdity. absurdity. When, and, and I think when the rational mind comes to think of it, it's humbling because it reminds us we, we, we can't just... See, that's the whole idea of sin. Sin is rebellion against God. I'll be my own God. I'll do what I want. No one's going to tell me what to do. Yes. Isn't that crazy, though? It is. That's, but that's sin. Sin is, sin. sin is crazy. Yes. <laughs> sin is crazy. Amen. Yes, Austin. Austin, Austin behind you. Yeah, the uh, doctrine of the... Indi- ah, I'm sorry, I'm yeah. sorry, Tom. <laughs> the uh, doctrine of the independence of God shows the creature-creator uh, distinction clearly. Yes. And uh, it's interesting to know that in our Christian life, the more immature we are, the more independent we are. Yes. And God breaks the back of our self-reliance. The more we mature, the more dependent we become. Amen to that. I, I, I must say I agree with that conclusion that wholeheartedly, yeah. I find that the more I grow in Christ, is the more I need Christ. The more I think I know about Christ, is the more I need to know. The more I think I'm, I'm trying to live without sin, is the more I see, oh, what a terrible, I'm a horrible sinner. Yeah, yeah, amen. Yes, um, Erico. Just a two-second comment. When you uh, finish, wh- give Pastor. Yeah. Just a, a son that I told um, Brother Frank last week um, that the Christian growth is downward. Mm. <laughs> That's a big one. <laughs> Thank you. I'll tell Cindy about that. I- <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Amen. We love you. <laughs> the, um, yes, Pastor Bob. Just to give a little testimony. Uh, you, you know, my um, my other job, my um, for being bivocational, I, I do real estate. I just want to give a testimony of my dependence on God. Mm. I did an open house, and I lost the key to the house. And I, I, I said, oh, no, this can't be possible. Just the thought of having to call the realtor who had the listing, explain that I lost the key. Oh, my goodness. That was, it would be so humiliating yes, and embarrassing. Yes. Uh, uh, to be so, to go to so, do everything so right, and then, and I looked all over the house, and I looked on the basement and the top floor. I looked in outside. I checked all my pockets. All my, I was ready. I was fit to be tied. And so, I said, I got on my hands and knees, literally in my knees, on my knees in the kitchen. I said, Lord, I need you. Please help me find this. And within three minutes. Amen. Can't tell you how many times that's happened to me. Yes. But it's those little things, like even those things. little things where God wants us to get on our knees and say, Daddy, I need you. Help yes, me. Yes, yes, yes. Total dependence upon him. Amen. St. Anthony, the, patrons, the, the Catholic patron saint of the lost things <laughs> that, that, that they pray to? <laughs> Amen. All right. Um, anybody have any? Yes, my brother. What's your name, sir? Frank. Frank. Again, that's who Eric was referring to. Um, No, I I just wanted to comment that um, in God does not need creation and that um, he does not uh, need any justification apart from himself himself, and that um, in our own lives or in the world is that um, people seek to say that God is not justified in Mm -hmm. what he has ordained and what he has done and Mm -hmm. In that they seek their own self-justification. Indeed, they become autonomous, like Brother Tom said. That yes. um, 
the degree to which you're a sinner is the degree to which you are autonomous and independent on yourself. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Thank you for that. All right. We're going to go to the next section, the um, unchangeableness of God. Please follow with me in your, in your, your paper here. All right. Okay. Unchangeableness or immutability. Here is what Burkhoff and the Grudem said. Now they didn't say it together. I just put it together. All right. All right. It is that perfection of God by which he is devoid of all change. Not only in his being, but also in his perfections and in his purposes and promises. He is exalted above all becoming and is free from all accession, accession of diminution and from all growth or decay in his being or perfection. Now Gruden says, yet God does act and feel emotions. And he acts and feels differently in response to different situations. All right? So we know that he is perfect in his purposes. He is, oh, when I say perfect, immutable in his purposes, in his promises, in his perfections. He is exalted above all becoming. He does not become. He does not grow. He does not get any better. He does not get any worse. God is God. Hebrews chapter 4. Somebody find that, please. Hebrews chapter 4. But it says that he feels emotions. You would think that this God, he does not feel. But that is not the case. All right? He does feel. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 and 15. Another person, to, please turn to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. And we'll look at verse 14. Now, who has four? I got it. 14 and 15. Um, I, I got it. I got it. Who has it? I got it. Okay, go for it. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. Okay, so we have a great high priest that is passing through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Is that the one I was looking for, though? Is that for 14 and 15? Yeah. Huh? You have to okay. read 15 also. Sorry. For, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, yes. but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet yes. without sin. Amen. Yes. I like the King James Version of that. We do not have a, a great high priest that cannot be touched with the feelings 
wounds of our infirmities. He he feels this great God whom we serve, yet condescends, and he feels emotion. 2.14, Hebrews 2.14, who has that one? Yes. Since therefore the children share in the flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil. Amen. Again, I like the King James. Listen to that. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same. Amazing that. Amazing. And furthermore, it says that he did not take upon him the seed of Abraham. No, no, he didn't take upon him the nature of angels, sorry. But he took upon him the seed of Abraham. And in all things, you know, he might be like them, something like that. He did not take upon him the nature of angels. What did he do? He identified with the seed of of Abraham. Our God feels. I'm going to read a few verses from Second Chronicles. Chronicles 33. Please turn here with me. Let's see how that is illustrated in there. Our God feeling. Second Chronicles 33. We are dealing with God having emotion. Yet we say he's unchangeable. That's what we do. I'm going to read a few selected verses, okay? Verse uh, 33, 1 and 2. 1 and 2 says, Manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 55 years in Jerusalem. And he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord drove out before the people of Israel. So he was a wicked king. Verse 9. Manasseh led Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem astray to do more evil than the nations whom the Lord destroyed before the people of Israel. So the people of God did more evil than the ungodly nations. When you see a Christian sins, sometimes we go way further than even the world. Remember that one in Second in First Corinthians? where this Christian, this brother, was going with his father's wife, and the shock. I mean, the world doesn't even do that. But look at what is done inside the house where we call on the name of the Lord. May God grant us grace to fear the Lord. Because when you see you and I sin, it can be devastating. It can be. Let's continue. I'm going to read a few more verses. Now, okay, 10 through 13. 
I'm going to leave this up so I can see it a little bit more. All right. The Lord spoke to Manasseh and to his people, but they paid no attention. Therefore the Lord brought upon them the commanders of the army of the king of Assyria, who captured Manasseh with hooks and bound him with chains of bronze and brought him to Babel. And when he was in distress, he entreated the favor of the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers. Look at 13. He prayed to him. And look at that. God has feelings, emotions. He prayed to him and God was moved by his entreaty and heard his plea and brought him again to Jerusalem into his kingdom. God was moved. Prayer changes things. It's amazing. God we know is not a magician. We also know that this God is not a machine. You can't just press a button. But he's a God, he's a person who has feelings, who hears and who answers the prayers of his people and who changes things. Uh, Pastor Bob? I, I know the focus is on the God. Yes. But you have to marvel at the mercy of God in saving Manasseh. <laughs> I guess there, there's hope for all of us. Amen. Be saved. Amen. Amen. Yes. Amen. Amen. I agree. Follow with me as we read through this paper. God is incapable of change. Either in duration of life or in nature, character, will or happiness. There's something God cannot do. He's incapable. He cannot change in the duration of life. He cannot change in his nature. He cannot change in his character. He cannot change in his will. Neither can he change in his happiness. You and I cannot do anything there to hear to have God wringing his hands and, and, and being not happy about who he is. Away with such a thought, perish the idea. In none of these, nor in any res other respect, is there any possibility of change. Perfection permits neither increase as though he lacks or decrease as though he can lose. Change must be for the worse or for the better. But God cannot become worse or better. James P. Boyce. Listen to this again. God is pure simplicity in nature. 
that which is not and cannot be compounded cannot be changed. I have quite a few scriptures here, but our time is, is drawing near. But uh, you have them. You can turn to 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 them um, in your own spare time. There, God immutable in duration and life. Let's look at one of them. Look at Psalm 102, verse 12. We'll get that. Psalm 102. We'll just look at one. Psalm 102, verse 12. But you, O Lord, are enthroned forever. You are remembered throughout all generations. Amen. See? Forever. And is remembered throughout all generations. Remember when we quoted that scripture from everlasting to everlasting, Thou art God. Amazing. Uh, You'd you, be saying, okay, when did everlasting start? From everlasting start. <laughs> from everlasting. What about to everlasting? When will it end? It doesn't end. It's to everlasting. There's no beginning, no end in it. It's incredible. This is the God we serve. Oh, that God would grant us grace that we would come to know this God more and more, growing grace, growing his knowledge. Okay, God is immutable in his nature. Look at James. Somebody find James 117. James 117. Somebody is fine. Psalm 33:11 James 1:17 Psalm 33:11 just look at one James who got James 1:17 James 1:17 Yeah God is immutable in his nature in other words he cannot change in his nature yeah Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change change. No variableness, neither shadow of turn. Amen. Um, God is immutable in his will. Um, Psalm 33, 11. Who found that one? Psalm 33, 11. Psalm 33. Wait, um, Marva. Valerie, wait for the, wait for the mic. Give the mic to Valerie. No, 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 it's not okay. Valerie, we want to re- we want you to read it through the mic so that um, it oh, will okay. be heard. Okay. The counsel of the Lord standeth forever, the thoughts of His heart to all. The counsel of the Lord standeth forever, mm-hmm. the thoughts of His heart to all generations. Gen- Counsel stands forever. Okay? It does not change in his counsel. God is immutable in his character. Let's look at a few of them. Romans 2 2. Find somebody find that. In his mercy. Lamentations 3 22 23. Somebody else find that. Lamentations 3 23. Somebody else find 11. Romans 11. 2 and 29, Romans 11, 2 and 29. Somebody else find Job 34, 10. Job 34, 10. And somebody else find Isaiah 40. And we have a few verses there, 13, 14, 27, 28. <laughs> All right. 
We're speeding up now. We got to run. All right. Okay. Who has his wheel here? Romans two two. Right? Yeah. Romans two two. Okay. Lamentations three twenty two twenty three. Romans eleven two and twenty nine. Job thirty four ten and Isaiah forty and a few verses in there. Romans two two. Says no, not yet. We want um, not yet. I'm sorry, maybe I didn't do this the right way. We we read God is immutable in His nature. Not yet. Did we do that one? Yes. Okay, let's do immutable in His will. And this one is some. No, that's the one um, Val we just read. Okay, we did that. Okay, in His character now. Okay, Romans two. I'm sorry, dear. You were right. <laughs> okay. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. That, that's the one. It's justice readily. Yeah, we know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Yes, practice, practice evil, of course. And remember Genesis and when Abraham calls him the judge of all the earth who will do right, right? Um, his mercy... Which one did we say? Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. Who found that one? Lamentations 3. You have that? I had Romans 2 too. <laughs> Lamentations 3, yes. The mic over here. Yeah. Lamentations 3, 22 23. Maybe I didn't do it properly next time. <laughs> Go ahead. The steadfast love of the Lord never ah. ceases. His mercies never come to an end. Mm. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Amen. Hallelujah. We need us, Pastor Bob, who dealt with them. Um, spoke about mercy this morning, yeah? Mercy of God. Everything we think about and talk about, everything, all that we're engaged in, this whole activity here is due to the mercy of God. It's all covered under his, his great mercy upon us. He has not left us to ourselves. Mercy indeed. We should praise his mercy. His truth. His truth, and we said what it was. Romans 11, 2 and 29. Who found that one? Romans 11, 2 and 29. God's truth. Verse 2. God did not reject his people whom he foreknew. Don't you know what scripture says in the passage about people a uh, passage about Elijah mm. how he appealed to God against Israel mm -hmm. yeah his truth does not change and you know what what Paul is arguing about that because the question is that has God rejected his people or has he forgotten them and the answer is a resound no no God does not change in his truth mm -hmm. remains forever the other one is his holiness. It does not change in his holiness. And that's Job 34.10. Job 34.10. Give it to me. Okay. Therefore, hear me, you men of understanding. Far be it from God that he should do wickedness, and from the Almighty that he should do wrong. Amen. Because he's holy. You see, he does no wrong. Far be it from God to do such a thing. Let you and I not even think of such a thought in us that God 
God Almighty, this holy God, this pure and great and wonderful being, this clean being would do would do such a thing. This this holy author is unique. Would do would do such a thing. God is immutable in His knowledge. Isaiah forty. Somebody from that one. We have one, two, three, four verses. Isaiah forty. Run to. Add toward him. With whom took he counsel, and who instructed him, mm -hmm. and taught him in the path of judgment, mm -hmm. and taught him knowledge, and showed to him the way of understanding. Yes. That's it. More? Who has done that? And the answer, obviously, is no one. He, he gains nothing from anyone. He gets nothing from anyone. It's his, his own knowledge. It's derived from no one. He's the one who gives it. He gives knowledge. The book of Daniel tells us. He gives knowledge to the wise. You know, he's the one who gives the wise knowledge. Right? Alright. We are heading down. Look at this. Does, does God sometimes change his mind? We have a few scriptures that would seem to, to say that. You and I remember the story of Jonah. You remember that, right? When God told Jonah to go and preach to Nineveh, that in 40 days he's going to destroy Nineveh. And Jonah didn't want to do it. And you know the story, he was swallowed by a fish, and God and the fish spit him out, understand? And then eventually he obeyed God and went to preach to Nineveh. And Nineveh repented. And what did God do? God did not do that which he said he was doing. And, you know, we would say, well, God changed his mind. Well, that can be explained. Here it is. By James P. Boyce. Here is what he says. These are merely anthropopathic expressions, I hope I get that right, intended simply to impress upon men his great anger at sin and his warm approval of the repentance of those who had sinned against him. Okay. So it's not that God changed his mind. He says the change of conduct in men the change of conduct in men, not in God, had changed the relation between them and God. Sin had made them liable to his displeasure. Repentance, though, had brought them within the possibilities of his mercy. Amen. Amen. One last anymore, yeah, okay. Was there a change in God in the act of the incarnation of the second person? That should be answered on there. Now that rather than question, no, answer, no. It was not the divine nature which became incarnate, 
but simply one of the persons subsisting in it. Again, what's the question? Was there a change in God in the act of the incarnation of the second person? Answer, no. It was not the divine nature which became incarnate, but simply one of the persons subsisting in it. No change took place in the divine nature. The human and the divine natures of the Son of God were so related to his person and to each other that while he was truly God and truly man, possessing every characteristic or of all peculiarities and properties, no, I got that wrong. Um, sorry about that. It says that while he was truly God and truly man, possessing every characteristic of each, the two natures remained entirely distinct, each with its own peculiarities and properties. The Son of God, therefore, was as truly divine after as before the incarnation. Amen. Amen. Well, if you have any comment, any question, we can entertain that now. I have, I have, I have a little comment. I have a little comment for you. Testing one. Um, I was witnessing to somebody recently, about a week ago, and talking about the Word of God. And, you know, the, the strict rules that Christians have to follow and so on and so forth. And it got to be, well, you know, thousand years old and surely God God doesn't expect people to do those things now anymore yeah. and it's like and then so that's we know that goes on in the world but in the churches mm. we see it going on where the, where they're mar marrying homosexuals and are not standing on the word of God yes. and is getting into the churches as well and it's like this chapter would be quite good for some of those people to read Amen. and it could change that church and it can maybe even save a soul if the people really knew that nothing's changing mm -hmm. it's the same yesterday as it was to yesterday as it was today as it will be in the future Amen. so immovable Amen. we think just because we change um councils church councils come together and as you're talking about homosexuality and so forth decide to change it as if as if it really changes that's what we think it's amazing how we think but God remains who he is. Yes, yes, Pastor Bob. Thank you, Brother Anthony. Valerie, I see you. Next to Valerie. Uh, thank you for your lesson. Thank you for expounding on that uh, great topic on the immutability of God. Mm. And um, I know for me, the encouraging thing about this lesson has always been the trustworthiness of God. Amen. You see, because we're unstable, right? We're, we're unreliable. Yes, we we change. Mm -hmm. I, you know, how many times you, you put your confidence or trust in a person and they let you down? Why? Because they change. They change their mind. They change their disposition. But praise the Lord, he never changes. Amen. I could trust and rely on everything yeah. he says because God is not temperamental. Mm -hmm. God is not, mm -hmm. you know, is not going to be blown by the, the whims of, of culture or life or... Mm. That, and I think that that should remind us never to put our confidence in man, Amen. but put all our confidence in God alone. That, 
the scripture calls him the rock and for a reason. The rock doesn't move. It doesn't change. The winds may beat against it, and we could rely on him. We could trust in him. People will let you down, but God never will, and that's, that's the, the beauty of this doctrine. There's another thing that comes out from, from this that really encourages my soul when you talk about immutability, and that's exactly what Rick was just alluding to, is that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Mm-hmm. Hebrews 13, 8. This same gospel, this same Bible, the same doctrines that we hold to are the same teachings that the Christians held to for 2,000 yes. years. Yes. And, and that's, we have a historical Christian faith. This good deposit handed down from one generation to another. So whenever, you know, churches try to tamper with that mm. and say, well, you know, we got to get with the times. All right, you do that. Yeah. You do that and see how long you last. Yeah. God has his people and he has his, his gospel and it remains, it's the same. Yeah. And we could, we could be so thankful for that. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Bo, for that. Appreciate that. Oh, yes, to hear that. Amen. Yes, Valerie. Yeah, I just want to say um, I really thank you for this lesson because I was at a wedding last weekend, mm-hmm. 250 guests. Mm-hmm. And uh, the wedding, I mean, I'm old-fashioned, yes. I don't understand a lot of the modern things that young people <laughs> do today. But I was really appalled because... 250 guests, and the, the wedding ceremony was like broken up into different parts. But cut a long story short, there is not once, not even one time, I heard the mention of God in this entire ceremony. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, they, it was a woman who did the marriage thing. Mm-hmm. And she never mentioned one, not even once, the, the name of God. Mm-hmm. And I just said to myself, if God is not in it, how can it work? It will never work. How can you perform a marriage ceremony without the mention of God mm-hmm. in there? And I just said to myself, I really have to share this. With my church family, yeah. because <laughs> the emphasis that just Pastor Bob and Pastor Paul put in God, especially communion and all of that, yes. Yes. how can you marry? It's forever. And marriage is supposed to last till death do us part. Mm-hmm. All of that was cut out of the ceremony. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. not mentioned mm-hmm. at all. They, it took like five minutes and said, you're married. Mm. And they start clapping. And that's it. You know, so this is a reinforcement to me today, you know, to to really, if my son or some family member decide to do this marriage thing and said, you're married, I will really have to open my mouth and say, no, that's not God's way. (laughs) That is not God's way. Yeah, Romans tell us they didn't think it worthwhile to have the thought of God in their, in their minds. Yeah. Rick, give to, to my wife. Oh, okay. um, when you talk about the um, God feels and how personal God mm-hmm. is, I thought about the uh, Psalms that says, when we do what is right, mm-hmm. 
And when we speak the truth, his heart rejoices. Amen. Our God is personal. When we do the right thing and when we speak the truth, we make the heart of our Father rejoice. Amen. Um, that that goes with um, what we read about. Uh, it's, um, it's emotion, it's yeah, feeling. Yeah. Um, another thing I wanted to talk about is uh, something from what Pastor Bob was saying, is that, you know, we have the scriptures and it's our life and day in and day out. I hear people talk about, you know, repetitive how, you know, the things that we constantly, it's like, it's repetitive, and they find it judgeous, you know. But um, one of the things we have to realize, if God give this to us and he speak to us, it cannot be repetitive. But how do we see it? You know, we are rehearsing for glory. We are constantly, it's like a choir, constantly rehearsing for that moment when they would rejoice. And that's, that's how life is being prepared, totally. I'm one of those who like repeating the thing, especially when I'm moved by it. I like to stress it. I like to say it again. And I, it helps me. Yeah, so. All right. All right. Thanks. Yes, Pastor Bob. One more final comment. If God is unchangeable, then his word is unchangeable. Yes. That means his word has a specific meaning. That meaning was intended by God and cannot be changed because God can't be changed. So let us always remember that. Whatever the original intent and meaning of the scripture was, it's not a living and breathing document that evolves like some people believe about the Constitution. This is, this is God's word. God, is, if God doesn't change, neither does his word. Amen. Amen. It's final. It's the final code of arbitration. Amen. Yes, brother. I, it was basically exactly what Pastor Bob said, and uh, to the immutability of God, is that um, as soon as any church or any person can dispense with one attribute or one law of God, it makes everything in his nature mutable. Mm. You cannot dispense with any singular aspect of God, and at the moment that you do so, and we were referencing like union of homosexuality, for example, or to get with the times in whatever aspect mm. that it is, that would make every single doctrine or every single fundamental aspect of God subject to the same but line of, of thinking. Of course, certainly. Yeah. Above, you said something else. What did he say? No, I just said that's the dis- deconstruction of the Bible. Yeah, yeah, de- de- deconstruct the Bible, yes. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks for coming. I appreciate that very much. I pray that God, you know, show us his way. We get to to grow in his grace, to love him more and more, desiring to serve him wholeheartedly, and that you and I would learn to fear this God whom we serve. Our Heavenly Father, great is your name. You are greatly to be praised. To you belong glory and honor in Christ's name. Amen.